In Philippians, the fourth chapter, Philippians chapter 4, let's begin in verse 10. He said, but I rejoice, this is Paul, of course, by the Spirit, speaking to the church at Philippi. He said, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, that now at the last your care of me has flourished again. Now, you already know what he's going to talk about. When he says care of me, what's he talking about? He's talking about them sending him money and things. Is that an expression of care? Yeah. The Lord said this to me some years ago. He said to me, the, and you'll not often hear, you know, all-inclusive statements like this out of my mouth, but the chief expression of love is giving. The. Now that's a big statement, but I, I didn't say that of myself. I said the Lord said that to me some years ago. The chief or the greatest expression of love is giving. Now when I first when he first said that to me, I didn't know if I was hearing right or not. Because we don't usually think quite like that. And I thought, well, you know, that that sounds a bit materialistic, you know. And the Lord helped me. He taught me. He said, what did I say in John? For God so loved the world that he yelled from heaven, I love you. <laughs> hmm? Is that the greatest expression of love? I see, people think it is, but it's not. I said, people think it is, but it's not. You can say I love you all day long, and it actually means very little. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. You'll do something. You'll give me your time. You'll give me your money, your stuff. You'll give me your abilities. You'll give me. If you love God, you're going to give to him. How do we know he loves us or loved us and loves us? He gave to us. And not only did he give to us, he continues to give to us. Every day, life, breath, brightness of understanding, all things. Right? Didn't say, God didn't say, you know, he loved the world. God so loved the world that he said, I have a special feeling for you. I just, I just feel for you. No, feelings are not the chief expression of love. See, the, the world doesn't know what love is. And it's sad to say a lot of Christians don't really know what love is. Tell me, following our great Father's example, what is the chief expression of love? Giving. God so loved the world that he gave. Well, then if you love, what will you do? Give. Now, I'm not getting ready to make a big pull for an offering from me. I mean, if y'all don't know me yet, then you, I guess you just won't, but... Those of you that have been around, you know I'm not, I'm not here trying to get all your money. I'm not. You can believe that or not. I was in the church a while back. The Lord led me to teach on some of these things. And man, I kept running up against resistance. I mean, I could just tell that they couldn't get away from it. They kept thinking, yeah, yeah, he's getting ready to make a big pull for him a big offering. And finally, I got toward the end and the Lord showed me what to do about it to stop it. And I said, I want, a, I want an offering, and I want a big one. 
and I'm going to give it all to the pastor. <laughs> and I'm telling you, you could just sense in the spirit the brakes came off. Because they knew I left without a penny. They knew that. Because the people always think you got an ulterior motive. But when you know who your source is, it's not a problem. When you know, because uh, the next weekend, the next weekend, I spoke one time, one time for about what? An hour and a half, maybe. $8,000 offering. <laughs> well, the Lord made it up. That's all right. <laughs> I said, the Lord made it up. <laughs> Somebody says, well, man, he left without a dime. No, I sowed. I sowed. No, all that that came in was mine. And I sowed it. And just a day or two later, got a real good offering. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty good. Amen. So, Mr. York, not use figures like that. Well, I'll be led. You just listen. <laughs> what are we talking about? He said, your care of me, remember that, has flourished again. See, they're expressing their love for him and their love for God by their giving to him. And there's all kind of ways people can give to other people. People can give to you with ulterior motives. They're not really giving. They're trying to buy something. Sometimes people, they, they call it giving to you, but they want something in return. So it's not really giving. But true giving is absolutely no strings. Nothing. You don't expect anything in return from them. Nothing. Not even a thank you. I said, not even a thank you. Well, they could have at least said that. No, so you want something. If you're really giving, see, love, giving is the chief expression of love, the God kind of love. And if you're really giving, then you're not wanting something in return. You just did it because you love them. You just wanted them to have it. Just want them to enjoy it. Want them to be relieved of that burden or that debt or whatever. Right? That's love. That's the God kind of love. That's the chief expression of it, is giving. He said, uh, he re he's rejoicing greatly in the Lord that their care for him had flourished again. In other words, they had done some things for him in time past, but there had been a lapse. And then they had got stirred up on doing it again. You know, we all have to watch that, don't we? A lot of times the Lord will deal with you to do something. And then for some reason you get away from doing it. He didn't tell you to change. You just got interested in something else or let that slide and let it slip. Have you ever, I have before, you know, been doing something for somebody, maybe sending support here or there, what have you. And for some reason, get preoccupied with other things and kind of let that slip and let it slide. And the Lord have to prompt you later on, get back to doing that. Well, see, he never, he, he never changed his mind about it. And uh, so that, that kind of happened with them here. But then they got back to it. And he said, uh, wherein you were also careful, but you lacked opportunity. 
Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am to be content. Now, therewith is in italics. It's really added, but he, he's, he said, I've learned whatever state I am to be content. I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound everywhere and in all things. I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. And so we've used that in a number of applications, but really he's talking specifically about your financial and material condition. When you have a lot and when you don't. And when you live by faith, I mean, you may have a bunch of money in the bank and give half of it away tomorrow and there's no what I'm saying. And when you really live by faith, they're going to be different. You're going to experience all kinds of things. And uh, people don't always obey God as quickly as they should. And before this is over with, I'm going to talk to you about the poverty test and the prosperity test. The poverty test is if you keep your faith in lack. The prosperity test is if you keep your faith in plenty. Can you guess which one's harder? Hmm? I'm serious now. There is one that seems to be harder than the other. Seems to me the prosperity test is harder than the poverty test. What are you talking about? Well, if a person is experiencing lack, that's not God's perfect will for them. But if they're experiencing lack, how do they respond? See, there's a lot of people, man, if they're experiencing lack and if they continue to experience lack, they get put out with God. If they tithe a little bit and give a little bit, they get aggravated. And really, you know, get miffed at God, if you know what I mean by that. And there's people that just, you know, they just get away from God. They feel like God hadn't done right by them, you know. They just worked hard and never had anything. And, and see, you can, people can lose their faith in poverty. But then you, there can be situations where people, they kept their faith in God. I, I know the Lord helped me when we experienced a lot of lack for a prolonged period of time. The Lord helped me. I, I never lost my faith in, in the Lord as my provider at all. I knew, thank God he gave me enough insight and understanding, I knew it wasn't his fault that I was the way I was, financially and materially. I did not blame him. I said I did not blame him. It's foolish to blame God for your problems. It's prideful to blame God for your problems. Do you know the doctrine, this... Uh, I don't know, extreme teaching on the sovereignty of God is rooted in pride. It really is. It's rooted in pride. Because people, you know, they keep, keep on saying, well, you know, this person is sick and died prematurely and this one suffered and this one lost this in an accident and this we've been poor all our life and we've been poor for four generations. And it's just, you know, uh, it, you know it's God's will. We don't understand it, but it's God's perfect will. Some of it has to do with ignorance, but a lot of it has to do with pride. Why doesn't it ever occur to people that maybe 
everything they're doing is not right. Listen to me. To say that everything that has happened in your life is the perfect will of God is equal to saying that I have never done anything in my life except the perfect will of God. Do you understand that? No. If you want God's perfect will for your life, you've got to do God's perfect will. That's, that's true whether it's concerning health or prosperity or ministry or anointing or whatever the case might be. So many people are so far below where they could and should be simply because of things like stubbornness, carnality, fleshiness, procrastination, just not doing the perfect will of God. Wait, going to do it later sometime, whatever. But uh, that's why they're not experiencing God's perfect will. But, oh, friend, if you'll make the consecration and just, just flat get in the middle, smack dab in the middle of the perfect will of God and do his perfect will, then you're going to start experiencing the perfect will of God in your body, in your mind, in your marriage, in your family, in your pocketbook, in your ministry. Oh, glory. See, that's why the devil fights us so hard to keep us on the fringes somewhere. To keep us, you know, half backslid or carnal or just anything except not in the middle of the will of God. Because he knows what, it, what a testimony it is to people around about us when they not only see us doing the perfect will of God, but see God doing his perfect will for us in all these areas. Health is a witness. A good marriage and family is a witness. Prosperity is a witness. Isn't it? I mean, when your business had to open two more, you know, branches when other folk in your same field are closing that year, that's a witness. Isn't it? Thank God. So how many want God's perfect will? Then what do we know? We got to do. I said, we have to do his perfect will. And that's not, that's not that difficult. I mean, it's not like that's something that you just can't do. All you got to do is follow what you got in your heart. Follow what you know the word says. Walk in all the light you have. That's all you got to do. If there's anything that you know you ought to be doing that you're not doing, that's where the problem comes in. Walk in all the light you have, and you'll be in good shape. He said that he understood, both, you know, no matter what condition he was in, his contentment did not rest on his possessions, on his financial condition. And that's where we need to be that, you know, thank God for things and thank God for stuff, but it won't make you happy. It will not. In fact, you can't even enjoy stuff properly unless you're right with God. As a Christian, you, you can't even enjoy a new car. You can't even enjoy a new house. You can't even enjoy nice clothes if you're not right with God. Oh, but if you're right with God, you can enjoy some stuff. Amen. You can use it. Not, it doesn't use you. Just be a blessing. Verse 13, he said, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Verse 14, notwithstanding, you have well done that you did communicate with my affliction. Paul calls lack 
affliction. Now, there's a whole other study there, isn't it? Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord lets him stay in a bunch of them. What? Delivers him out of them all. So if lack is an affliction, then that means God will deliver you out of all lack. Right? Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but you only. Now notice he didn't just say giving. He says giving and receiving. Every time you think giving, there should be something else with it. Right? Every time you think giving, you should think receiving. Not only are the people you're giving to going to receive from you, but you should receive a harvest from, off of that at some point. Sowing and reaping. Seed time and harvest. Giving and... See, don't separate them. Keep them together. Paul did. The Holy Ghost did. Giving and receiving. For even in Thessalonica, you sent once and again unto my necessity. Not because I desire a gift... But I desire fruit that may abound to your account. Everybody say account. Now, if you're taking notes, write that word down, your account. Those two words, your account. Because we're going to be coming back to that at some point. Did you know you had an account? <laughs> and we're not talking about at the First National Bank or whatever. Do you understand this account he's talking about was not in an earthly bank? But he said they had an account. Do you have an account? Do you keep up with your earthly accounts? Anybody here know, at least have some kind of an idea of what's in your account? Checking account or savings account or whatever the case might be. But what about your heavenly account? Do you have one? I said, do you have? Some people looking at me like, I don't know. They had one. Didn't they have one? Now, of course, we know they're givers. I said, we know they're givers. We know that. They gave to him repeatedly, but they had an account. And he's saying to them, he, you know, he's, he said, man, I'm rejoicing that y'all sent this offering to me. And he said, now, it's not just that I want something, but I want you, your account to increase. I want it to abound to your account. That, that's increase. I want your account to increase. And he said, uh, verse 18, I have all and abound. I am full. Having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. Now, what's he talking about? What is this sweet-smelling odor? What is this acceptable sacrifice? What is this well-pleasing thing? What did they do? They gave to him money and our things. Right? Money. Did it say that this, this money was sweet-smelling? Sweet-smelling money? Huh? 
I said, no, brother, no, brother, filthy lucre. No, brother, no, brother, sweet-smelling money. Oh, boy. Did you ever read back in Genesis where the Lord talked about, you know, he made the earth and the garden, he made Adam and Eve, he put them in there, and he's telling, you know, through Moses in this Genesis account about the outlay of the land. He talked about the river and it dividing into four heads and talked about where things were. And he says, and in this place, God told him, is the gold. And he said, and the gold of that land is good. <laughs> now tell me, who said that? Did God say the gold is good? Yeah. So go back there and read it. Book of Genesis. The gold is good. Everybody said out loud, the gold is good. Well, what's money based on? Gold. Gold. The paper's based on, supposed to be anyway, uh, <laughs> precious metals. <Yeah. laughs> right? Gold. How would we even know that gold was precious? God told man from the beginning, hey, here's the gold. The gold's over here, and it's good stuff. And yet people, through believing lies of the enemy, the church has come to believe, oh, you know, I don't want any of this old world's good. This old nasty, filthy gold. and No, 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 no. I think people have taken that one phrase and really gotten not filthy lucre. That's kind of a, a King James thing anyway. If you look at it closely, he's talking about, uh, you know, getting things by questionable means. That's what he's talking about. How many of you, you've heard the expression, dirty money. Well, that doesn't, I mean, most all paper money is probably not all that clean. But that's not the deal. That's not what he's talking about. He's not talking about the actual thing itself. He's talking about how you got it. I mean, oh, there's a right way to get things. And there's a wrong way to get things. That's what he's talking about. Gold is good. Greed is bad. That's the issue. I said, gold is good. Wish I had four barns full of it. <laughs> <laughs> that's right somebody said well you just want a bunch of stuff that's right a lot of stuff that's exactly right and I didn't say you had to give it to me you're not my source but yeah listen you just want a lot you want a bunch of money yes I do yeah want 12 cars and 5 houses <laughs> Money coming out my ears. Why? Number one, I want to do a lot for the kingdom of God. I want to give. Number two, I want to bless my brothers and sisters in Christ. Amen? And number three, I want to enjoy some stuff. And that's okay as long as it's not number one. <laughs> Right? That's right. <laughs> I told Phyllis, uh, what, a couple of years or so ago, we had gotten a hold of some things we taught y'all, you know, about laws of increase and what have you, and begin to really make some changes in our life. Uh, you know, tithe properly and, and give and sow more and more. And boy, God blessed us and blessed us and blessed us. And blessed us until at one point we had so much stuff at our house 
until somebody had get, just given us a, a, a real nice piece of exercise equipment, which we'd been wanting for some time, believing for, just gave it to us. And somebody gave us uh, a real nice dining room set and all of that stuff we'd, Phyllis had been believing for for years. Everybody say years. years. See, all these things don't happen overnight. And uh, we, had, we had vehicles in the garage, vehicles in the driveway, jet skis in the driveway, boats on the yard. In fact, my neighbors came across the road and he said, he said, what else are you going to get? <laughs> I said, I don't know, man. Don't tell him. <laughs> he said, well, I was talking to the neighbor next door. He said, we're getting jealous. He said, you got too much stuff. I said, yeah. I said, God's good. Amen. And I told her when, when, that, when this person gave us that piece of equipment, uh, I said to her, I said, this Malachi 3 has come to pass in our life. I said, look, we don't have room <laughs> to receive it. Come to, come, I mean, did God mean what he say or not? I said, we don't have room to put this. And so I called a guy that I knew, and I said, hey, I said, uh, uh, you like boats, don't you? He said, oh, yeah. I said, come get this one. I got extra boats. I said, come get this one and use it for the summer. He said, you're joking. I said, just put gas in it and run it and use it, and I'll get with you after the end of the summer and see what you want to do. Well, that's a ble that blessed them. Yeah, I said, that blessed them. Somebody said, well, you just want a bunch of stuff. That's right. That's right. A lot of stuff. I got a pastor who's coming in here in a few weeks for a meeting, and, and he said, well, I, I don't know, you know, what can I do about transportation? I said, man, I got extra cars. I, I'll own you one the whole time you're here. Amen. I want that. Yes. Amen. Amen? I want that. Say, so don't worry about it. Here's the keys. Here's a car. I got three or four left. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> we'll make it. While we're here during this time, I want you to let the Lord expand your vision. Yeah. Increase your insides and your capacity to receive. You've got to Gotta lift up your eyes and see what God can do for you, what He wants to do for you. Now maybe you'd be satisfied with this or this, but is God satisfied with that? Sometimes people say, "Well, I don't want much." Yeah, but what does God want for you? Well, if I just got this and this, then I'm happy. Yeah, but is God happy? If He's not happy till you're really rich, then uh, what, about, what are you going to do about it? Would you yield to the will of God? I said, would you yield to the will of God? That's I, I don't, I don't care all that much, but well, God needs channels. He's not talking about you just spending it all on yourself. We've already talked about that. God needs channels. Channels. And man, there's a lot of, God's got plans. And a lot of them require a lot of money. And needs a lot of people that are in position to do some things. And because these things don't come overnight, we need to get on them now and be believing and moving that way so that we are some of those he can call on and use. He went on to say, an odor of a sweet smell. Say it again. What is he, what is he talking about? Sweet smelling money. A sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. But my God, shall supply all 
your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. That's my text. But my God shall supply. Y'all have heard that verse too many times. I can tell in reading it. See, there's a danger here. Do you understand? You've heard something so much, you think you know what it means. And maybe you do know a few little things about it, but nothing compared to what can be known about it. Nobody has ever exhausted all the light from any verse of Scripture. Do you believe there are things here you've never seen before? Not, not even a question about that. But you've got to look at it and hear it like that. Like there's things you've never heard here before, never seen here before. Let me read it again. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. I wanted to talk to you about God as your source this morning a little bit further. All that extra won't charge you for that. That was just I was trying to get to that verse. But that's all good too. Who is your source of supply? Who is the one who supplies your needs? And how does he supply them according to what? His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Now, don't 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 let that, you know, a lot of times we hear things and we don't really know what they mean, but we think we do because we're so familiar with it. God, my God, shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. My God shall supply all my need. Not, he didn't say according to your job. We could just camp on that the rest of the time. <laughs> is, is your job in that verse there somewhere? Hmm? <laughs> For real now. It's not in there, is it? My God shall supply all your need according to your job. That's not right. According to the government. No. According to your family, according to your parents, according to your inheritance, according to the economy. No. And yet, a lot of people, even though they know to say the right answer, they'll say no to these questions, yet in, in actuality, in practice, they are looking to these things. I said they are looking to these things. And it's something you've got to get weaned off of. Now, the Lord has put it in my heart. Before. I want to get to it. You know, y'all believe God with me? Pray along these lines. The Lord has dealt with me to teach on some of the highest levels of faith for prosperity before we get through. This is not just for baby babies. But we've already taught some of the foundation. 
I know some of you might not have been here, but perhaps tapes are available on that. But we, we talk extensively on some of these things. And the Lord's dealing with me. It's time to lift up your eyes. It's time to look. There are higher levels than what you know and what you're operating on. And I'm not, the Lord is dealing with me. I'm not content with you staying on that level. I mean, we could stay where we are and go, man, we're blessed. Boy, we're so much better off than we were. Yeah, but the Lord's not satisfied at all. He's not satisfied at all. He's glad about the progress. Oh, but we've got a long ways to go. And he is the one who gives us wealth and gives us the power to get the wealth. Not, not first that we can just lavish it on ourselves, but first that he may establish his covenant and that he can do his work. Our God is our source of supply. But until we can get our eyes up off of things down here, up off of our jobs, up off of the sources of income that we've been looking to, we have, then we will be limiting him. Limiting him. You know, I said this before, and it'll, it'll bear repetition. A few years ago, I was teaching along some lines of prosperity, and I got to talking about with parents and children. I said, you know, don't always tell your, your kids, we can't afford that. I said, don't say that all the time. We can't afford that. You, you really have to watch about... A lot of people have a lot more poverty mentality in them than they even think they do. And what's even worse is passing that on to your kids. It's enough you have to deal with it without putting it in them. But, you know, there's only one way you can prevent transferring it to them. Only one way. Get it out of you. You can do your best to, to keep it from coming out, but it'll come out some way or another. There's only one way to keep from passing it on to your kids. That's to get it out of you. Because if it's there, they'll pick it up. And, uh, you know, I, I was saying, don't, don't always say, we can't afford that. We can't afford that. We can't afford that. I said, teach kids how to believe God, especially the ones that's a little bit older. You know, teach them. Teach them about tithing. They're old enough to understand about allowance and money. They're old enough to understand about tithing. Right? Yes, they are. And sowing. Tithing and sowing. Tithing isn't sowing. Tithing is returning the first fruits to God. And then sowing is beyond the tithe. But uh, I, I, I said, you know, just the Lord led me to talk about this. I said, uh, if uh, somebody, when your kids come up and want something and you don't have the money on you to get it or it's not in position to get it right then, don't just tell them you can't afford it. If it's something you wouldn't mind them having, if you had the money or whatever, tell them, well, honey, I'll believe God with you. I'll believe God with you. Teach them to sow for it. You know, they want a toy or they want a something, sow one of their toys to another kid or whatever. Tithe off of what they're doing and sow, sow something and then pray the prayer of agreement with them. If any two of you agree is touching anything that they shall ask, it will be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. And I got a great letter not too long after that. A lady sent me. She's a single mom and had two children. And not long after that, she said her oldest little girl came and said, uh, you know, Mom, I want this certain bike. You know, can we get this certain bike? And said she started to say, well, honey, I, I wish we could, but we just came up. And she caught herself. She remembered that. She said, well, I, do I believe that or not now? 
She said, yeah, I do. She said, well, honey, uh, mommy doesn't have the money on her right now to just go do this, but, uh, but I'll believe God with you. The Lord has plenty of money. Amen. And see, I'm talking about our source. Amen. See, the little ones, I mean, they're not too small to learn that mommy is not my source. Hmm? I like what, we were at a church a while back and the pastor was telling, this child was telling daddy what they were going to believe for. You know, but they were telling daddy about it. And uh, he, said, he said, well, that's all fine and good, honey. Just understand, my name is not El Shaddai. <laughs> we, we need to understand, daddy is not the source. Mama is not the source, right? Husband is not the source. Wife is not the source. I know years ago, Phyllis got a hold of knowing how to sew uh, clothes. And she's reaped some good harvest this past year in clothes. God really blessed her. But she's been sewing for years. And jewelry. Man, she's sewed enough jewelry. But she's reaped, had a good harvest uh, in jewelry just not too long ago. Got a, got a nice ring and some stuff. But, uh, uh, when one of the times she first got a hold of this, she came and said, you know, I, I think maybe I should sew some of my clothes. And I said, well, just help yourself. And this has been years ago now, years ago. We're first learning about some of these things. Man, she, she cleaned her closet out. She gave half, two-thirds of her stuff away. And somebody came and said, oh, Brother Keith, boy, you're in trouble now. I mean, you're going to you're gonna have to go out and buy her all new clothes. I said, hey, hey, I'm not her source. I am not. I know that. She knows that. God dresses her and takes a lot better care of her than I could. Oh, guys, are you listening to me? Hmm? Really? Don't limit your wife or your spouse and your kids to your little job. I don't care if you've got a great job. It's still little compared to what God can do. Isn't it? Don't limit yourself. Don't limit your family to your job. Man, woman, husband, wife, whatever. Don't, don't do it. Don't do it. Yeah, we're supposed to do our part. We're supposed to work. Everybody's supposed to work. I said everybody. I said, well, you're a preacer. I work. If you followed me around for a while, you'd know. If, you, if, min, if ministry, if you do it right, it's work. There's no question. Now, I know there's some goofballs that, you know, lay around all week and get a little something out of Reader's Digest. And, but if you have any spiritual discernment, you can tell these guys have been doing nothing too. But if you're going to be full of anything and have anything in you, and have any power and have any answers, you can't just lay around and do nothing all the time. But everybody's supposed to work. Retired people are supposed to work for the Lord. I'm serious. Everybody's supposed to work. Every, you don't retire from the kingdom of God until you breathe, breathe your last breath. I'm talking about down here, work down here. You're still in the kingdom of God, but you don't retire from kingdom work in the earth until you breathe your last or the trumpet sounds. 
There is no retirement like that. You might retire from your profession or from your job or whatever, but you need to be doing something for the Lord. Something for the church, something for the work of God. You need to be occupied. Right? And you need to work. And uh, your, your work oftentimes will be a channel. A. One channel. Through which God will bless you, but not the channel and not your source. Who is our source? God. But my God shall supply all your need. How? According to his riches in glory. We could just summarize and say according to his ability. According to his resources. Does he have resources? <laughs> oh, we have no idea what kind of resources he has. Resources. What you, what you look at reveals what you look to, I should say, when you need something. If you look to that particular thing, then that shows that that's your source. Whatever you look to in a time of crisis, whatever you look to in a time of need, that's what you look to as your source. That's what you, your source is. When you're needing money, when you've got bills due, where do you look? Where do you look? A lot of times people immediately think, well, maybe I could do some overtime. Maybe I could do this. Maybe I could do... That's not the first thing you should think. We need to get delivered from this. In the ministry, it's the same thing. The congregation is not the source of the church. I said the congregation is not the church's source. Pastors can't let their self look to the congregation. As a traveling ministry. See, we don't have a congregation like this, and yet we have a ministry, we have expenses and what have you, a lot like a church. But uh, I don't see my congregation per se. They're scattered all over the world. We have partners and what have you. But I can't let myself look to my partners. They're not my source. And the Lord said this to me some years ago, that if I'm really in faith, looking to him as my source, I will put no pressure on people. None. No pressure on people. When you see yourself putting pressure on people, then you know you're looking to them. Now, ministers and ministries have done this. And don't, you know, don't judge them. You'd kind of have to be in their shoes. Especially if you're doing the same thing. So a lot of times people, if, somebody, if, if a minister got up and put pressure on people, you got to give, you got to give, so this can be taken over. You got to give and put pressure on them. Then, oh, man, they don't like that. And, and they get aggravated and they judge him. And here they go Monday and put pressure on customers. Put pressure on their employer for a raise. 
put pressure on this one or that one. Exactly the same thing. Just as, just as guilty. Right? We need a revelation. And, and I found it works so much better. Now, just even in sales. Let's say you're in sales. I don't care whether you sell cars or clothes or washers or dryers or, or whatever it might be. If you're in faith, you don't put pressure on people. Right? I know, you know, I don't, I, I don't know if I'm typical of the average buyer or not, but I don't respond well to pressure. <laughs> you know, if I walk into a place and I'm buying a car and they say, oh, we've had four people look at this one already today, you know, and we got a contract, you better get it right now, then uh, I don't like that. That's too much like my flesh. The devil <laughs> and my flesh is always trying to push me to act hasty and it, it doesn't need any help from you <laughs> as a salesman, right? <laughs> I like to be led, right? And I have found, you know, I, I was in sales in years past. And the Lord was even teaching me about some of those things then. I found, I'm, I pray, I'm believing for contracts, for sales. If we're going to buy this stuff somewhere, they might as well buy it from me. Right? And if you're a tither and a giver, you've got every right to claim big harvest, and that's, and that's one way. Did you hear me now? Get this. One, no, it's not the way God's taking care of you. One way. One of many ways. One of many avenues. One of many sources. Natural sources that come from the source. And I've found, man, if I just believe God, see, if, if I'm confident, I don't have to pressure this guy to buy my product. He's not my livelihood. He's not my source. If he's not going to do it, then God will bring three more in. And I'm believing for God to deal with people. And if he doesn't deal with them, then I'll leave them alone. I can be knowledgeable of my product. I can be courteous. I can do what I need to do. I can be sharp, but no pressure. Now, in the world, people think pressure works, but that's the world's way. I'm telling you, it's the world's way. And it's true. It's true that through pressure and manipulative techniques, you can get some sales on some things because of people's weakness. But what did you do? You made a sale, but what did you do? You compromised your Christian character. You weren't following the Holy Ghost, sir. Where it wasn't love, you weren't looking out for their best benefit and interest. You don't have to resort to the world's pressure tactics and techniques to prosper. Amen. You don't have to. You can walk in love with one person and not put any pressure on them and look like you lost a good sale and people laugh at you because you wasn't using their pressure techniques. And God have somebody call you tomorrow that wants 10 of them. I've seen it. I've seen it happen again and again. It's not in your efforts. It's in God's blessing. You may think it's because you're so smart and because you get up so early and because you work so hard. It's not. You could knock yourself out and do nothing. And a lot of you know that. You've experienced it. It's in the blessing of the Lord. 
in the blessing of the Lord. He's the source. Everybody said out loud, he's my source. He's my source. Oh, glory to God. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. Go with me to John real quickly. John, gospel account of John. I want you to know something about the Lord. He is the master at providing from unexpected sources. That is his way. Because it gives him glory. And if you live by faith, most of the time, you're not going to know how it's going to work out and how it's going to come and through who, whom and through what channels. You, you're just not going to be able to pin it down. Most of the time, you operate by faith. When it happens, you're going to be surprised. Not that it happened, but how it happened. God purposely makes it that way because he gets the glory. So that when it's said none, you can't say, yeah, I knew that. I knew that's how it was going to come. Yeah, no, 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 no. You'll just be sitting there going, wow. I would have never imagined that so-and-so had that much money. I would have never imagined that they, I didn't even think they knew who I was. How'd they even know us? How'd they even know we needed that? God is the master at that. I mean, he, he's always done that kind of thing. Think about it. Back with uh, Elijah. He's hungry, and, and there's a famine on, so he sends him to a brook to be fed by birds. Would that have been your first guess? And <laughs> how you're going to eat for the rest of the month? Huh? Then that, that dried up, and he tells him there's something else for you now. We're going to take care of it. You would think maybe he'd send you to the house of a wealthy person that's got some money and take care of you. Send you to a widow woman with a handful of meal and a little bit of oil. Her and her boys about to starve. Send you to their house. But God performed a miracle. See, God got more glory out of that. Didn't he? That's not as comfortable to your flesh. Everybody wants great testimonies, but they forget how rough those things are on your flesh. Hmm? I'm sure Elijah, just from the natural, would have liked to have seen when he got to the place where God sent him, here is a mansion. And they got lots of food. Well, here's a widow woman. And the Israelites. All that time through the wilderness, how he's taking care of them. You don't expect your bread to fall out of the sky. As a usual, do you? I mean, Lord, where are we going to get food? <laughs> Where's a well at? Look at that rock. Well, Lord, that's a rock. Yeah, but we need water, not a rock. Yeah, but he burned it out of the rock. 
We would really like to have a good quail dinner, Lord. A quail. I've been wanting quail for weeks now, but there's no quail within hundreds of miles. He flies them in fresh <laughs> without a plane. Can he do it? Oh, how we need to meditate on these kind of things. We need to just camp and dwell here. But people get to looking at their jobs. We can't afford this. We can't get this. We can't do this because I only make X amount a year. Well, you just limited not only yourself. You limited God doing something for you. You limited him with your unbelief. Like Psalm 78, 41 talks about. They, they turned and tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. You see, through their unbelief. They limited God working for them because they limited uh, their self to the source of their job. You uh, ministers, like I've already said, I, I can't let myself look to my partners or to the churches I go to. Right? Pastors can't let themselves look at their congregations. Who's our source? God is your source. God is the church's source. God is my source. God is our ministry's source. Who is our source? Does he have it? Oh, friends. We need to stretch ourselves. What can he do? When, uh, when they needed tax money, he tells Peter to go fishing. That wouldn't be the first thing you'd think. You'd think, can I work an extra shift on the job? I said, a lot of you would think, can I work some extra hours? Because <laughs> that's easier on your flesh. Instead of just seeking God. Because a lot of times if you seek God, he'd say, just sit tight. I'm dealing with somebody. It'll be to you for long. No, other times you need to work extra, but don't look at your job. I said, don't look at your job. Your job's what you do. It's not your source. It's not your source. I tell you, for time's sake, Skip John here. We might get to it later. Go to Ephesians. Go to Ephesians. You don't want to stay here all day, do you? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. My kind of people. Ephesians. Fourth chapter. Oh, thank you, Lord. 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 Bless your master. We'll close with these thoughts. In Ephesians, the fourth chapter, in verse uh, 22, Ephesians 4, 22, he said that you put off concerning the former conversation the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of, of your mind. We're talking about some of that, aren't we? And that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. 
You know, even though you may have been born again for a number of years, tongue talker for a number of years, that does not mean you think just like God wants you to think in all these areas. We're in need of major mind renewal. And the specific area we're talking about this morning is we need to get weaned off of our dependency on our jobs and our little investments and our little this and that. Lift up our eyes. None of those things are big enough for us. None of them. I don't care if your salary is, you know, half a million a year. <laughs> is, is that as much as what God can do? Not even remotely. What is a million dollars to God? What would it be like to him? We have no idea how small it would be to him. I mean, it's, you know, it... We'd say, well, it'd be like a penny to us. Well, no, he made the planets. <laughs> Not just the gold on this one, the planets. <laughs> What's a million dollars to God? Now, see, the problem is what it is to you. That's where the hindrance comes in. Because it looks big to you, and the reason it looks big to you is because you know how hard it was for you to get that 20000 you had in the bank. You think, man, I worked for X amount of years and I saved and I spent and I finally got that in And you see, you're basing it on that. And that's silly. Amen. <laughs> God wants you to be able to write a check and give that away and just grin. Yes. Yes. Just yes. smile. Hallelujah. Knowing that he can bring back a 30-fold, 50-fold, 60-fold, hundredfold in some situation, harvest on that. Well, what would that be? 20,000 times 50-fold is what? Huh? Huh? Are we back at the million? How big is a million? No. No. That's what we're talking about. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Mm. That's all right. You don't have to get it all this morning. We're gonna... <laughs> we'll be back on it later. He said, Ephesians 4, verse 25, putting away lying. This is one thing that you need to get yourself renewed in. Don't lie. Would you have to write to Christians and tell them to quit lying? He did. Tongue talkers. These Ephesians were tongue talkers. He wrote to them and told them to quit lying. Speak every man truth with his neighbor. If we're members one of another. Be angry and sin not. How I many of you got to control your anger? I don't care how angry you get, it's not an excuse for acting like a heathen. Right? But I just got so mad. Well, whoop de doo. I've been mad too. It didn't mean I slapped somebody around, broke the furniture up. Right? It's amazing. It's amazing. You got some. Some people, you know, some guys and, and, and women too, you know, get mad, slap their wife around, slap the kids around. I've seen women slap the men around. Kids <laughs> and uh, just and, and talk about, well, I, you know, I'm so sorry. I just, I just got so mad. I just, before I just knew what I was doing. It's amazing how you take that same man and he, and, and he gets mad, but you put him beside a guy that's about 6'6", six, six, weighs 250, 280. And somewhere or another, he can control himself. 
Nah, people do what they can get away with. They do what they can do. Don't give us this stuff. I just got so mad, I just, I just couldn't help. No, you yielded. You could have kept from it. You yield. It's entirely your fault. Getting so angry, I don't know what I'm doing, is not an excuse. No, 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 no. If you've been yielding to that stuff all your life, well, yeah, you've got a bad habit. And you've got something you need to break out of and get free from. But, but no, the biggest, biggest thing is you don't yield to it. You can be mad. But that doesn't mean you have to do everything you feel. You can be, you can be so hot. I mean, steam's coming out from around your collar. And you just go, I just feel like going in the room and praying for you. <laughs> you, 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 can, you, I mean, you catch yourself right in the middle of it. I, I just want to lay hands on you. <laughs> Right? Or I just feel like uh, giving you some money. You can catch yourself right in the middle. If you will. God's there. He'll help you. But see, the thing is, people know what they should do, but they just so mad. They just don't want to. They just decide, I know I'm not supposed to, but I'm just going to do it. Now, that kind of stuff can cost you dearly. So if you've had problems, I mean... Be angry, don't sin. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. Verse 28, get this carefully now. Let him that stole steal no more. I mean, if you're a Christian, you ought to be through with lying, through with temper fits, right? Through with stealing. But rather, if somebody was a thief, uh, then let them do what now? Get a job, Right? Get a job. You know, that'd be a cure to a lot of stuff. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, that'd be the remedy for a lot of problems. Get a job. A full-time job. And keep it. For longer than two weeks. Keep it. You know, I have, I have seen people that were just as flaky as could be. Just as goofy. Spiritually, I'm talking about. Always having these off-the-wall visitations and visions and revelations. And their biggest problem is they need a job. <laughs> oh, yeah, they're called to this great ministry. Yeah, they need to be, they need to have a broom ministry. <laughs> Mop ministry. I'm serious. Serious. There, is, there are true spiritual experiences but a lot of people are just idle. And you can tell, you know, if God really wants you full-time in the ministry, then he can take care of you. And if you're all, you spoke, you're claiming that you quit your job because you got to be in the ministry and you're always mooching off of other people and, and your mama's having to support you and everything else, well, see, you're missing God. Simple. If your ministry doesn't support you, get a job. Get a job. Right? That's simple, right? Everybody say it out loud. Get a job. Get a job. Job. And uh, let him labor, work, working with his hands. See, I mean, he thought he was good with his hands taking stuff. Well, use your hands to do something profitable. <laughs> working with his hands, 
the thing which is good. Do something good with your hands now. That he may what? You know, let him get a job so he can make a living. Heard some amens. You didn't read that verse. I said, let him get, let him get a job so he can make a living. Well, why do you work? <laughs> yeah. What's the main reason you get up in, in the morning or afternoon or night, whenever you go? Obviously, it's Thursday morning. Y'all in here, so I don't know. <laughs> but uh, whatever you do, whenever you do, what's the reason why you go to work? Huh? Make a living. Huh? Is that right thinking? No. Now, I know, now, remember, I've already said to you, we're, we're getting into some of the highest levels, okay, uh, of faith for prosperity. Don't, and don't hear these things and think, well, I don't know about, you don't have to get here overnight. But what are you shooting for? What is your goal? What are you looking at, you see? Let him work so that he can pay his bills and make a living. No. No. Let him work so that he can have something so that he can give. Instead of working for a living, we need to be working for a giving. Right? Working for a giving and then living off our giving. Not living off our working, living off of our giving. The return from our giving. And if you do it, your, your standard of living immediately is going to go way up. Because you won't, you're not living off of what you're making from your job. You're living off of the multiplied harvest of what you sowed from what you got on your job. Now, it takes faith to do this. It takes faith to think like this and to operate like this. And it's sad to say, but a lot of people today just never do this. But I'm not talking to just any and everybody I'm You can. You can you can get it in your heart that hey, what's the main reason I'm working? So that I'll have money to give. Money to give to the church. Money and see, if if that is true, if that is your main objective, then your whole business, your job, everything takes on a greater kingdom priority. Do you understand that? God is going to be more interested in blessing you. Because, I mean, it's not just a matter of you paying your bills. But the main reason you're going to work, the main reason you're doing what you're doing is to make money for the kingdom. To give to the church, to give to the ministries, to buy stuff for ministers and for brothers and sisters in the Lord. To just do stuff for people. And if you get to living like that, you know, when you give, what's going to happen? It's going to be given back to you. It's going to come, and you're going to begin to have such a reciprocal harvest coming that it won't take long before you're going to escalate, escalate, escalate. And your living is going to take a very, very small portion of your total income. I think we told you uh, maybe time before last when we were here, we talked about... Uh, a businessman, uh, Mr. Letourneau, years ago, 
Uh, God gave him a lot of ideas about heavy machinery, a lot of this heavy earth-moving stuff. He originally designed, uh, you know, the forerunners of it, and some people call him the father of the bulldozer and all that kind of thing. Thought he was a missionary at first and couldn't really get going on that, and the Lord finally showed him, no, I want you to be a businessman for me. How many know that's a call? It's a call. I, sometimes people come to me and say, well, I just feel like i got a call on my life. Well, you're saved, ain't you? Yeah, well, you've got a call. <laughs> Everybody has got a call, but that call does not mean stand behind a pulpit and wave a Bible. No, it's a relatively small percentage of the body of Christ that's speaking gifts. But everybody's got a call. Everybody. Well, he finally got it settled, you know, that he's supposed to be a businessman and, and, and be a witness for the Lord like that. And so he made a commitment with the Lord, I'm going to tithe. My business is going to tithe, and I'm going to tithe personally. So he began, you know, returning 10% off of his business income and his income and living on 90. Well, over the years, he had it in his heart to keep increasing that, to keep increasing that. So eventually he's, you know, 20% uh, going to the Lord's work. He's living on 80. Then eventually 30% going to the Lord's work. He's living on 70. And then 40, 60. And then 50, 50. And see, God's blessing him. I mean, you talk about blessing. He started out in this little old rinky-dink shop and what have you. And now he's got huge factories and, and what have you. And, and he's getting bigger now. He's going international. He's got manufacturing plants in other countries and what have you. And he kept bumping it up. 60, 40. 60 going to the Lord. 70, 30. And by the end of his, toward the end of his life, he's given 90% to the Lord, living like a king on the remaining 10%. How many of you can live good on 10% of two and a half million a year? Huh? Or, or you know, 10% of 10 million a year. You can live good on that. I mean, he had airplanes. He had all kinds of stuff. This was back years ago when hardly anybody had stuff like that. And, I mean, he had to, he'd go into countries and clear them out of place for uh, crops and build them a church and get a missionary in there and build roads for them and do everything for them and just leave the equipment down there. And they got a church building standing there just say, hey, we need a preacher. That's something. Now, that's a witness for the Lord, isn't it? But he's, is, is he going to work? I mean, 90% of his income is going to the Lord. Is he getting up in the morning and going to work so he can make a living? No, he got free from that a long time ago. I said he got free from that a long time ago. No, he's going, he's making, going to work so he can make a giving. Make a giving. I saw a bumper sticker on the car. I'd seen these before, and I don't really care for them. It said, I owe, I owe. So off to work I go. I thought, oh, man. Rip that thing off. <laughs> right? No. And we don't even need one that says, I got to make a living. So off I go to work. No, no. I need some money to be given. So off I go to work. Well, I see we hadn't all got to the full revelation of this. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, to just get started is good. Amen. To just get the idea, to get the light to shine. Amen? Amen. 
Tell me again who your source is. Who's your source? Stand up. Say, God is my source. He's my supply. He's more than enough. He's El Shaddai. All my needs. He shall supply. God's my source. And my supply. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.